Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast. We're going to get right to it. Frank Frangie is our guest, voice of the Jaguars, the second voice they've ever had, as Brian Sexton was the first, used to have him on my show back in the day, the O's, the first decade of Texans history. And he actually got that Jaguar job in the 90s when they started after doing eight-man high school football somewhere in the Midwest. Wayne Weaver, the original owner of the Jaguars somehow found him, hired him, and the rest was history. He's still with the organization doing other stuff, but Frank is the man, does a talk show on their flagship, and does the play-by-play, and he likes the way things are going for the Jaguars so far. Yeah, Mark, great to be with you, man. Always great to catch up, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, you know what? Our team's better. I think that's kind of the storyline four games into this thing. Uh, It got away from the Jags a little bit uh, on Sunday. But it's a better team than it has been. I, I think there's been some struggles around here. You know that. And uh, uh, this Doug Peterson guy is really good. He's great to work with. He's a really good coach. Trevor Lawrence is going to be very good. Look, they, they've played four games. Two have been on the uh, – three of the four have been on the road. Two against really good teams, obviously, with the Eagles and the Chargers. And they're 2-2. Two and two, And they've led all four games. So I, I think for the first time in a long time, Mark, there's some hope around here. We needed that. All right, so Trevor Lawrence, year two. I know he's coming off the turnover game with the fumbles, the pick, but overall you're seeing a better product here. Is it Peterson? Is it one year older? What is it, Frank? A little bit of all of the above. I think more of the former than the latter. I think Doug Peterson's really good. This guy's a really good coach. I mean, he won the only Super Bowl ever in Philadelphia history, and a year later he gets fired. Two years later he gets fired. It's a weird deal. Uh, The Jags were lucky he was available. He's been, I mean, he's created the culture mark. Uh, We've had some culture issues around here. I think you probably figured that out with Urban last year and some of the stuff that happened after the good year in 17. This guy's ended all that. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. I really believe that. And he's a really good quarterback. See, he's made a difference with Trevor. Look, Trevor started 21 games in the NFL. We were joking about this when the Jags played the Colts a few weeks ago, Mark. Matt Ryan was making his 224th career start. Trevor was making his 19th, you know, so there's a little difference, but uh, he's getting there. Did not play very well last week, had the turnovers. Everybody knows that, but he's been way better. He's had two back-to-back games, very good against the Colts and on the road against the Chargers. He's making progress. He's not there yet, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be what everybody expects him to be, and that's the good news. I just saw the Chargers up close and personal, and so did the Texans fans, and the Jaguars took them down on the West Coast. What was the key to that game? As I look at it, it looked like Lawrence had a really good controlled passing game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that was it. They got He got the ball out of his hands quickly. I, I think one thing you do with young quarterbacks is you all young quarterbacks, Mark, and you know this, is you draw it up. Or maybe that first or second progression is available, even if it means some short stuff to your point about controlled passing game, get the shotgun snap, get the ball out of your hands until you're more accustomed to reading a full field, a second progression, a third progression, or even a fourth. Until you're more uh, accustomed to that, get the ball out of the guy's hands. And I think Doug has drawn that up. Look, the receivers are way better. There's three new receivers here, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. Well, going into last week's game, Zay didn't play. They had 19, 18, and 12 catches between them. So they're the three leading receivers on the team. So better receivers, professional receivers, a really good play caller in Doug Peterson. That was part of why they scored 38 points against the Chargers. The other part of that is the defense played really well. Eckler never got going. Justin Herbert, in fairness, had hurt his – remember, he had the rib injury the game before against the Chiefs. So he wasn't as mobile as he typically would be. Uh, But the Jags really laid it to the Chargers. That might have been as impressive a win 
as we've had around here since that 2017 season. So that was a big moment. And again, there's some up and down. There's some ups and downs with the young team. Mark, this team has way more of those 23 to 25s than it does those 27 to 29s. So it's a young group. Yeah, I think you're dealing with the same thing there. So it's a young group here. So there's going to be some ups and downs, but the first four games overall have been pretty good. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, joining us. Got to stop the run. That's what every team says going into just about every game in this league. But James Robinson, Travis Etienne, what are we seeing out of them? We know about Robinson, but finally you have last year's draft choice in the Clemson product available. What's he bring into the table, Frank? Yeah, he's fast. That speed's, that speed's real now, Mark. I mean, he's legit. He's legitimately fast. He's their third down back, and he's the changeup. Now, right now, James Robinson's been their lead back. He's the guy running between the tackles. He's the short yardage guy. And Travis Etienne has been the guy that comes in on third downs and the guy they try and get on the edge. Now, that'll change a little bit. He's going to mix that up. I think you're going to see Travis Etienne between the tackles some and James Robinson catching balls on third down from time to time. But right now, he's, James Robinson has been between the tackles downhill runner. That's what he is. He's a good physical runner who runs downhill. He's not explosive. Uh, but he's, but he certainly turns a lot of one yard gains into four yard gains. That's kind of his MO. Travis Etienne, I think is going to be more explosive. Mark, I he just, he just started, but he's out all last year. He's only played a handful of games. He has, he's a guy they're going to throw the screens to. He's a guy that's going to catch the ball on third down. So he's kind of the yin to the yang of James Robinson. And again, we just started all this now. They've just gotten together, but I like the combination of what they have. They like both backs. I can tell you that. Frank, I know you pay a lot of attention to what the Gators are doing. You cover the college football scene on your show. Damian Pierce is with the Texans. What do you remember about him from the University of Florida, and what do you make of his start? I got to tell you this, and I hope you'll appreciate this. I know you and our good buddies, you will. I screamed into the mic last year. I screamed at my television. I'm surprised I didn't break my television watching these college games last year how they weren't giving the ball more to Damian Pierce. They, they had three guys. They wrote, Malik Davis was kind of the leader of the room, so he always started the game. He got the first series. Damian Pierce came in and got the second series. Naquan Wright got the third. And we all said if they gave the ball to Damian Pierce 22 times a game rather than he gets his seven, because they all get seven, the Gators would be much better. They never did that. And that became sort of a running joke, Mark, on our, on our radio show. I, I complained about it so much. I said, Next year, this guy's going to be the offensive rookie of the year, and he's going to start for some team, and the Gators are going to lament the fact that, that, that they didn't play him more. And that was kind of a running joke on our show. Well, it's playing out that way. I think he's a, you've met him. He's a great kid. He's so, he's so upbeat and personable and fun. He's an explosive runner. He's a downhill runner. I'm, I, I'm surprised it took that long for the big one. Uh, the, it took four games for that big one last week. You're going to see more of those. I think he's a fantastic back. I think he's in a division that has the best backs in football because we have Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. He's going to fit right in, Mark. You're going to love Damian Pierce. I think I told you that even before the season, and I still feel that way. He's going to be a terrific, terrific back for the Texans. What do you think the cross-section is of Jaguar fans who are also Florida Gator fans? Uh, I think that's probably the biggest college following here. Uh, so there's a cross-section. There is a cross. I think – Jaguar fans are so dominant. Remember, we don't have baseball. We don't have basketball. The Jags are what we have here. So the Jaguar fans, all the college fans root for the Jaguars, whether you're the Gator fans, the Seminoles, the Bulldogs, the Hurricanes, we've got a lot of college following here, but they're all Jaguars fans. But I would say there's a higher percentage of Gators than there are the other colleges. So, so there's some crossover. And again, we all, the last thing I can tell you this, that the Gator-Jag combo fan wanted was Damian Pierce to wind up in the division. Because I think everybody, I, I'm, again, listen, 
I'm not trying to pile on Dan Mullen. He's gone. He got fired. Billy Napier's in and they move on. But I think the biggest head scratcher for everybody around here last year is how is Damian Pierce not getting the ball more? It was, it almost became a running joke at some point. And so, uh, so yeah, I think the Gator fans are rooting for Damian Pierce probably 15 games a year, maybe not those other two. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us on Texans Radio. All right, you played the Colts. You beat them soundly. The Texans tied them. So let's talk Colts and Titans here, the rest of the division, Frank. And right now, i got to say the Jags are in as good shape as anybody could imagine. But the Titans, they managed to win two games without scoring in the second half of either of them. What do you make of them? Let's start there in Tennessee. I've always thought the Titans do it right, Mark. I, I've told that. I said it to Mike Keith, their play-by-play guy. I've said it to you. We're all friends. We all talk a lot. I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think there's a toughness. I think he's tough. I think they play with a toughness. They're going to run the football. If Ryan Tannehill isn't playing well and he's been up and down, they're not going to be as good. And they're going to be in some close games. But I think they generally two years ago they weren't good defensively. But for the most part, they're tough on defense. They run the ball. They're physical. They know how to win games. I think that's the one thing that stands out to me about the Titans more than anything else, Mark. They know how to win. There's a toughness. I think the division is always going to go through Tennessee. I think as good as the Jaguars or as much improvement as the Jaguars feel like they have, and I think we all feel like they're an improved team, the division is going to go through uh, Nashville. I've always felt that, and I feel that way still. Interesting. Well, I, I kind of agree with you because if your defense is good enough in this league, and I don't care who you're playing, where you can win without scoring in the second half, that's saying something in the NFL. Now, what about the Colts as they try to right the ship here? They beat Kansas City, but, man, it's so inconsistent so far. Another rough start for them. It always seems to happen that way in Indy. Yeah, and, you know, we the, the Jags, we beat them 24 nothing, and it didn't look like – it looked like a wounded Indianapolis team. Now, they had some guys hurt. They didn't have Michael Pittman, and he, he is their receiving game. I mean, they, they yeah. he without him – they don't have great receivers. But Jonathan Taylor, who led the league in rushing last year, got about 50 yards here. Now, the Jags have a good run defense most of the time. Matt Ryan, I think the problem with the Colts, at some point they've got to find their quarterback. It's been – you know, okay, it's kind of weird. If you look at their history, Mark, the fact that they inherited Andrew Luck after being so good with Peyton almost seemed unfair, right? right. They, they're, they're good all those years. They have one bad year. That happens to be the year Andrew Luck comes out. So it almost seemed unfair that this really good franchise has one bad year and they get Andrew Luck. But then the Luck caught up with them because he, he quits playing, and it's been a struggle. They've tried to bring in Phillip Rivers. They've tried to bring in Carson Wentz. They've now brought in a Matt Ryan. They're trying to find their guy. But you know this. You watched it with Deshaun. We're seeing it hopefully with Trevor. We see it around the league. You're seeing it in Buffalo. You're seeing it in Kansas City. When you find that young quarterback, that's the key to being really good. And the, the Colts have had a tough time finding that young quarterback. I know the Jags just lost to Philadelphia, but there were a lot of turnovers involved. You have to give Philly some credit there, but also with the Jags making mistakes, that leads to the victory for the Eagles. How good are they? Are they really the best team in the league, as some people suggest right now? Well, they're the only, they're the only undefeated team, I'll tell you that. So that's, there's something to be said for being the, the last one standing without a loss. They have a toughness. Jalen Hurts is a good player. As the game has changed, and again, of all my friends in the business, you've seen it up close and personal more than anybody else because Deshaun Watson was the poster child for the changing game. Uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo was the poster child. Uh, Lamar is. Quarterbacks that now can move. That RPO is real, and you have to now account for all 11 offensive players, not 10 because the quarterback just sits in the pocket. 
And I think Philadelphia really manifests that. Uh, they are really good offensively because of Jalen Hurts. And they got A.J. Brown. The Titans couldn't do it. Of all the good things John Robinson's done in, in Nashville, he's been a great GM. The inability to get the A.J. Brown deal done, Mark, has now really made the Eagles way better because they landed it. And so they have a good team. They have a tough team. The Jags led 14 to nothing. There was a huge play up 14 to nothing, driving in the second quarter. You go up 21 nothing. They were starting to boo. Uh, you might have you, you might have finished them off. Trevor on fourth down rolled right. He could have run for it. He could have passed to Tim Jones, but but the ball got knocked out. Of, he, he actually inadvertently knocked the ball out of his own hand when his thigh hit his, the football. Right. The, at that point, the Eagles had three possessions. Mark. They had gone punt turnover on downs and pick six. Well, the next three possessions, they scored touchdowns. That one play turned the game, and then they got the momentum, and it was loud, and it was raining sideways, and the Jags never got off the deck after that. Still an eight-point game at the end. But the Eagles are good. The, the Eagles are they're, they're, they're the best team I've seen. Obviously, it's only four games in. But look, they're, if you're the only undefeated team, you're pretty good. They're pretty good. And they'll be at NRG Stadium November 3rd when the Texans unveil the battle red helmet. Frank Frangi, voice of the Jaguars, with us. A couple more quick ones for you here, Frank. Now, we mentioned you cover the college game on your show. You're very well plugged in. What do you make of NIL, the craziness out there? I think the whole landscape here, this is a broad question, but it's insane with what we're seeing with these conferences. Coaches getting fired instantly. The NFL looking like the more gentle way of doing things with head coach tenure. And I, I just tie it all into the NIL. We are in a very different era of college athletics here. Here's my take on the NIL. It's the analogy I use when we, cause we talk about it a lot. Imagine this Mark, imagine all of a sudden the federal government said, dad, we're getting the speed limit wrong. 75 is not right. Or 65, whatever it is. We got to change the speed limit. Okay. Everyone decides we got to change it. So while we change it, we're taking all the signs down. Now, we're going to put them back up when we figure out the right way to do it. But for now, we're going to take all the signs down. Well, Mark, if you take all the signs down, people are going to drive 100 miles an hour because they're trying to get there. Everyone's driving 100 miles an hour until the signs go back up. Well, that's what has happened with college football. There's no rules. Nobody knows what they're allowed to do. Every state legislature is making its rules for its colleges, which is not the way to do it. They need to be uniform. We all agree on that. But there's no speed limit signs now. So everyone's driving 100 miles an hour, just trying to get there faster than the other guy. And, and until that gets fixed, it's going to be a mess. So NIL, we need some guidance and some rules and regulations, and we don't have that now. That's the big thing. As for all the coaches getting fired, the conference realignment, bro, that's just about money. That's who can – which schools can make the most money and which conferences can make the most money. So they give the most money to the schools so the schools can big, build the bigger facilities and the bigger staff and recruit better players and win more games. And I don't think we're ever getting that under control. I think the conference expansion is going to continue. It's, it's, a, it's a money grab, and I don't think that money grab is ever going to change. Well, I guess now that it's a business, it's a business, yep. <laughs> if that makes That's sense. Right. And here we are. Frank, it's always a pleasure to catch up. I really appreciate the time and look forward to seeing you in North Florida on Sunday. Mark, anytime. Take care, buddy. We'll see you. There he is, Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, our guest. Texans have a bye next week, and then... We'll see the rest of the schedule. Boy, a lot of games left after this one, which kicks off at noon on Sunday. 
going to be fun. Yeah, you get 12 games remaining after the bye. It's an early bye, the earliest bye in a long time for the Texans. But 12 noon Sunday at Jacksonville. It'll be live on Sports Radio 610 and the Bull 100.3 FM and probably right here where you are listening to this. Possibly right here. I should say possibly, not probably. Anyway, get all your other Texans podcasts wherever you got this one. Have a great day, everyone, and go Texans! Go Texans!